Welcome to Click, Treat, Repeat. This is a horse-focused podcast discussing positive reinforcement training, equine management and welfare, and other horse-related topics. So let's get started. Today we're going to be talking about whether positive reinforcement makes horses mouthy, because that's kind of a common misconception about it and I mean it can be true also if you do it poorly so I think um, we just wanted to talk a little bit about whether that's true and maybe some ways that you can make sure that doesn't happen. It depends to why they're mouthing it might be a product of poor training but also younger horses might just be more exploratory with their mouths so it just depends on your horse really and kind of their background there's a lot of things that can really go into it. Yeah, that's true. It definitely can be sort of more of a personality or just like development level type of thing for some horses if they're younger or I don't know, I found that geldings tend to be more mouthy from my experience. That's mostly anecdotal, so I might be wrong, but I have also seen research about how geldings are more playful and engage in more play, which often involves, you know, horses mouthing at each other. So, I mean, there could be some research basis to that as well, but Yeah, I definitely think that's true. But also, it's very fair that people don't want their horse, you know, mouthing at them, especially when it involves biting or something that just feels a little bit unsafe. Like I personally don't mind my horses mouthing at like my sleeve or something like that if they're just doing it very gently. But you know, when it gets to the point of like, teeth are getting involved, that's kind of when I'm like, okay, please don't do this. So even if it's not a, like caused by poor training, you can, you know, use positive reinforcement to help your horse not do that behavior with you, which is good. This is another anecdotal thing, but I feel like with traditionally trained horses, I see more issues with mouthiness with food because they're just not trained how to be around food. They don't know what you want. And a lot of the time, too, people who don't know much about positive reinforcement and just want to give their horses treats sometimes feed them like right from their pocket or, I don't know, just really close to them. So then the horses start to look for treats on them. And that's obviously just anecdotal, and I'm sure it's not always the case, but that's something I've noticed too. Yeah, I've also noticed that, and I think it makes sense because, like you said, they will feed them, I guess, like directly from their pocket, or they don't really, like, pay attention to what the horse is doing when they're feeding them a lot of the time because a lot of the time they – either are not very, I guess, like knowledgeable about giving treats as rewards, or they're even just giving the treats like after a session or something, after a training session or after a ride. And it's like, they're giving it as a reward, but obviously like, you know, from a behavior standpoint, the horse doesn't really understand that that is the reward for the ride because there's so much time and so many like things that have happened between the ride and when you're giving the treats. I mean, if you give the treats right after you dismount, they might see that as treats for dismounting, standing there, whatever. But yeah, so like if they're giving the treats, you know, maybe once they have untacked the horse and everything, then they may not be looking for a particular behavior because they, they're thinking that they're rewarding like the ride. So they'll just, you know, feed it no matter what the horse is, I guess, doing. So like if the horse is mouthing at them or, you know, trying to search them for treats or has their head like in their space or anything like that, they most likely will still feed them because they're, you know, not really aware of the fact that, you know, if you feed them when they're doing that, they're going to continue doing that. 
Yeah, definitely. And I think that happens a lot with people just starting out with positive reinforcement too, because it's so true that horses recognize where food comes from. And sometimes the timing too, if you're not using a clicker, they might be watching your hands more or paying attention to where your treat pouch is or whether or not you have one, things like that. But I think a lot of people don't realize that actually working with food is what will help the horses learn how to act around food. So if you are working traditionally and just handing treats out, for what you think you're rewarding, but maybe they're actually snuffling around your pockets and things like that. You're rewarding whatever happens while you're giving the treat. So the same is true with positive reinforcement as well. Yeah, that's a really good point. And I mean, I often see, like I worked at a traditional barn that was into treats. So they had a jar of treats and things like that, that they would you know, just have there for the horses. I didn't see that many people feed them. I did have one situation where I was turning a horse out and she said, you know, once you turn him out, give him this treat because we're trying to teach him to like stay by the gate-ish and not immediately like turn and like gallop away basically into the pasture. So I, you know, did that at the instructions of the person working at the barn. But yeah, in general, they just kind of had this like jar. So I would use the treats and and use them when I was handling the horses. And it was just really clear to see that these horses did not understand like, you know, that they're supposed to not be mouthy to get treats because that was never taught to them. So why would they understand that? And I think positive reinforcement does a really good job of really emphasizing one of the first steps being teaching the horse like a default neutral where they're going to kind of stand calmly and not mouth at you and just kind of wait for what the next thing is. And I also like that you mentioned the clicker because of course using a marker signal will really help because that becomes, you know, what is telling the horse that they're going to get the treat. They're, they're not as much like, you know, looking in your pockets or things like that because they've learned that, oh, when I snuffle around this person or try to get in their pockets or whatever, I'm not getting a treat. But when I hear that click, I am getting a treat. So then they sort of start to understand that mouthing is not going to do anything And just standing calmly and then waiting for that marker signal is going to be what's getting them the treat, like when you're teaching the default neutral. Yeah, default neutral is a great way to help them figure out what you want and how they get the food. And in the beginning, you might have some mouthing. That's pretty normal. They like to explore with their mouths. It's like dogs with their noses. It's just how they explore the world. But there are also other reasons a horse might be mouthy. So pain, stress, frustration, all those negative emotions can also cause mouthing. So that's where it's really important to know your horse and be willing to take a step back from a training session and look at what's actually happening. Yeah, that's a really good point. I would not be surprised if mouthiness is a calming signal. I don't know that for sure, but I would not be surprised if, you know, it's kind of when they're feeling stressed or they're feeling a little bit threatened, I guess, by what you're doing, they might kind of engage in that behavior. So I think that's a good point. And then also, yeah, definitely important to emphasize that it is a natural behavior as well. So if you have a horse that's being mouthy, one of the first things you can do to try to help that horse out is make sure that they have things in their environment that they can explore and be mouthy with because like you said their mouth is how they explore the world they obviously don't have hands they you know that's kind of how they interact with things in the environment so making sure that they do have an enriching environment with you know things for them to explore and mouth at and there are you know little toys you can do as well for enrichment like snuffle mats and even some of those feeder balls as well can be helpful and you know really 
any type of new, I guess, object or whatever that they can now that that's safe and that they may want to explore can be really good for them. So I definitely agree with everything you said, both like it is a natural behavior, it should be encouraged in a way that is safe and like natural, like in the environment. Also, it can be due to stress or can be more of like a, a pain related behavior. So that's just something to kind of think about and figure out, you know, the cause of the behavior, I guess. Yeah, exactly. With it being a behavior that happens naturally, you want them to have an outlet for that. But I think it's safe to say most people don't want themselves to be the outlet for mouthing. So like you said, you can have trickle feeder toys or just different enrichment. You can have snuffle mats, hay nets for some horses if it's safe for them. Maybe not horses with shoes. Sometimes that's dangerous. But yeah, there's all different kinds of things. I've put just like logs in my pasture and the horses chew on that. There's all kinds of things you can do and you can be creative with it. Yeah, I definitely agree. I think it's, yeah, it's important to just understand, especially, you know, if they are young, that they need those kind of things. Like I also worked at a different barn where I was bitten by a horse. I think I've told this story on the podcast before, but not in a long time. So I was bitten by a horse, like just, you know, not an aggressive bite, a mouthing bite, but it did, you know, leave a significant bruise. It hurt. And I was like, you know, I'm going to mention this to the barn, you know, manager, because this horse is a child's horse and I don't want any children to get hurt or you know I just think this is something that I would want to be aware of maybe you know I was hoping that they would like try to provide some things for him to engage in that behavior in a natural way although obviously like traditional people typically don't think of it that way when I mentioned this they basically were like oh no that's terrible like we'll punish him and make sure that his kid doesn't give him any more treats and I was like oh no (laughs) I should not have said it because it's just like traditional people really kind of have this view of like treats cause mouthiness so we can't feed treats anymore and they kind of see it as like a bad behavior more so than a communication of either just like their natural behavior or you know that they're stressed or that they need something or you know those type of things so yeah that's just kind of an experience that I've had that was kind of unfortunate but that horse also was a young gelding and he was just naturally mouthy I believe And then also he was stalled a lot and things like that. So there may have been some stress as well. But yeah, just be careful, I guess, in the traditional world with mouthiness because it is seen so much as like a bad behavior. Yeah, that's sadly very true. I had someone reach out to me about training and they never followed through with it. They ended up going to a different trainer, but they had a horse that was really mouthy with clicker training and they kind of just assumed that the treats were the issue. So they just dropped it altogether and went to traditional training and it seems like they're doing well and the horse seems relatively happy, but it's just unfortunate that that's the first thing people think instead of trying to help the horse through the problem so it's not an issue in the future. Yeah, that is very unfortunate. I mean, it's very, I think, accepted that in traditional training, if you do things poorly, you're going to get a horse that is not a good horse. I mean, in the sense of like, they have behaviors that are, you know, quote unquote, bad, obviously, every horse is a good horse. But (laughs) so like, you know, it's possible to create problems with training and traditional training. And yet, like with positive reinforcement, I feel like anytime there's a minor problem, people just want to jump to, oh, positive reinforcement doesn't work, or it's not right for my horse, or those type of things, when it's like, actually, if you do it poorly, it's going to create issues. And it's very 
difficult to do right, right off the bat when you don't have a trainer helping you. So I have a lot of empathy for those people who are not doing it right. I mean, I was the same, you know, person when I started, I was like using a towel as a target and I didn't know what I was doing and my timing was really bad. And like, it was just really weird. So like I relate and I know that it's really tough, but if you are having problems, I think it's definitely a reason to look at what you're doing and maybe reach out to a trainer or I don't even know. Yeah, I guess a trainer. And there are a lot of trainers online if there are none near you, which unfortunately for most people, there are not a lot of positive reinforcement trainers near them. So I just think definitely look at what you're doing rather than being like, oh, this method or, you know, this type of training with positive reinforcement just doesn't work. Yeah, definitely. And thankfully, there's a lot of free resources too. So if you can't afford a trainer or you would prefer someone to be in person, but there's no one around, you can find different blogs or podcasts or cheaper books. Like there's a lot of resources out there that can at least give you tips. But if you're having something that's pretty specific, then you might need to reach out because that's not always easy to fix with just reading a book or listening to a podcast episode. Yeah, that's a really good point. There are a lot of good free resources out there that can be really helpful. So I think one problem that a lot of people have with mouthiness or just with positive reinforcement causing stress in their horses or things like that is that they're not using the quote unquote right treats. So I think, you know, we also got a question from a listener about what treats we recommend using. So I think this ties in well, because if you're using treats that are way too high value, um, that can definitely lead to mouthiness just because the horse wants the treats so badly that they're just you know trying whatever they can do to get the treats and mouthing at you is an actual way that they might try to do that so I think yeah being very careful with what treats you use is important so we can talk a little bit about like what treats we would recommend Yeah, I think what treats you use is extremely important. I know for me in the beginning when I was still learning positive reinforcement, I just had wonder at the time, but we were using pretty much only peppermints and like really high value sugary treats because when you think of treats, people think of sugary treats. That's why a lot of trainers will try to use like food reward instead. But he was really engaged. He didn't usually want to leave me, but he was also clearly very overstimulated and usually had like some wrinkle eye and was just really antsy. And that's not what I want in a training session at all. So yeah, I think, I mean, most people just use Timothy or alfalfa pellets, or if you can find like Tef hay, things like that are usually the bulk of what you would use. Yeah, I definitely agree with my um, horses back home in North Carolina. I always used only Timothy pellets because they, they were so food motivated, mostly due to you know, having restricted forage that they were just a little bit too overexcited about anything else. So I always just use Timothy hay pellets and nothing else. And then now with the horse I'm working with now, Charlie, I use a little bit more of a mixture of mostly hay pellets, I'd say probably 85% hay pellets. And then I have a big bin where I've mixed together, you know, some other low sugar higher value treats into there so I'm like blanking on all of the brands that they are but you know any treat brand that is lower sugar and definitely check you know see what the sugar percent is just because it says low sugar but see what you know the actual percent is and make sure it's actually low I know that there are like NutriGood has a, a type that is low sugar I think they're called like low sugar snacks or something like that and those ones are 
fine. I pretty much mix those in. And then, you know, there are some, some other types that I will just mix in and I kind of just create like a treat mix. And then I have that. So I sort of vary it randomly, you know, like I may be giving him hay pellets for like three or four times and then, you know, something better will come up just by chance. And then also if he's doing a particularly tough behavior or something that I just want to reinforce more highly, I'll make sure I pick out one of those higher value treats. And then also he's been a little bit stressed in, I guess, like the the windiness and the weather changing and things like that. And so I try to avoid getting to that situation. But when I get to a situation where he's really stressed and he won't take hay pellets, I try to, you know, just feed him. Um, usually when he's stressed, if he won't even, you know, touch, I usually will, you know, try to get him to focus on me by holding out my hand and saying touch, getting him to touch my hand. If he won't even do that, I'll just feed him continuously to try to, you know, bring his attention back to me and away from whatever he's stressed about. So I'll try to get those higher value ones because he won't accept the hay pellets at that point. So it's just good, I think, to have for some horses a little bit more of a mixture of different ones, but all or at least mostly low sugar. And then other horses do fine with pretty much just the hay pellets. So it also depends a little bit on the individual and just your preferences because hay pellets can be expensive, but they're usually in my you know opinion or in my experience cheaper than a lot of those like individual bags of low sugar treats. Those can get pretty pricey. And if you're feeding with a high rate of reinforcement, you don't want to be going through, you know, all of those treats. It'll just really get expensive. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Click Treat Repeat. Feel free to check us out on Instagram at Click Treat Repeat Pod. You can find Jen at Genuine Equine and myself at Bonafide.bt. We upload new episodes every Monday and hope to see you then. Happy training!